Welcome to Your Truth Revealed, a podcast that explores your hidden physical and mental health potential. I'm Erica Marcoux, and I share with you the power of self-knowledge. I interview industry professionals to talk about how you can be your own mental health expert. You're listening to episode 25, Know Your Child's Trauma. This is the first part of an interview with counselor Carrie Cooper. We talk about how systemic chronic trauma affects the development of a child's brain and the long-term effects it can have. Trauma is common, but its effects don't have to be. And this is a quote from Spirit Reigns where Carrie is a clinical director, helping children and teens heal with support from counselors and horses. The infant cries, the basis of relationships is already being created. For our kiddos who have had trauma, they cry, no one comes, or even worse, they get harmed or it's unpredictable. People are not always safe. Most of our kids have had chronic trauma. They haven't just had the hurricane one time. They've had a lifetime of hurricanes. Carrie has a master's degree in counseling from Webster University in St. Louis, Missouri, and has been licensed for 25 years. She is a counselor, supervisor, program developer, trainer, and public speaker. Listen as Carrie and I discuss ways that our children and teens can heal from trauma. Thanks so much, Carrie, for being here. I've really been looking forward to this interview. Oh, you're sweet. I've been excited to be here. So thanks for the honor. And I realized we probably met in 2011. Time flies. Time absolutely flies. And I love all the work that you've done. And that's really what I want to share with people It's all these golden nuggets that you've collected along the way that other people can benefit from. Absolutely. It's been a great journey. I've loved my career path. You've done so many different things. And one of the things that we talked about before the interview is how trauma affects the development of a child's brain specifically. And there are effects And we're learning more all the time. I'm going to age myself, but when I first started out in child welfare, we didn't have the knowledge we have today. We've come so far. Isn't that awesome? It is awesome. And I'm excited about five years from now, how much more are we going to know and where are we going to be? We used to think children experienced traumas and they just were too young to really be affected by it. They would just grow up and they're so resilient. It's like we thought that children didn't really get that impacted by whatever happened. Like they didn't remember. And that's really just not how it works. I wish it was. Honestly, that would be fabulous. But yeah, it's not how it is. And unfortunately, there are long-term effects. And we can look at brain scans and just see this is a kid who's never experienced trauma. This is a kid who has. And their brains biologically look different. It's that concrete. There's no guessing anymore. We know there are long-term consequences. Well, the great thing about it is that we're getting more real knowing that there are long-term consequences and there are ways to heal it. It's not like they're stuck and they can't change or grow because they can. Absolutely. And the kids are resilient, but they need that support. And we're not doing them any favors by just expecting them to naturally recover and not remember and ignore. It helps us as parents, caregivers, teachers, and therapists to know why kids do the things they do. And I think it helps build compassion. If we know there's some biology involved, they're not just choosing to be difficult or challenging. There's biological reasons why they react the way they do. I think that's actually been a deal changer for me is understanding that piece of it. Behavior comes from a need and children are trying to get that need met. 
Absolutely. There's a reason behind the behavior. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a deal changer once we wrap our heads around that. Find out what the reason is and approach it from that place. There's so much psychoeducation and brain development that we're understanding now. I don't think that we even knew this 15 years ago or 10 years ago or even five. It's one of the coolest times to really be understanding the brain and child development. Now we know in the womb there can be trauma before a child's even born. I know there are probably cautious moms thinking, oh my gosh, what kind of trauma are you talking about? Again, kids and infants are very resilient. So no mom guilt, you know, if your kid accidentally ate some dirt in a potted plant, which happened to me when mine was little. Don't lay awake at night worrying about that. We're talking about, you know, systemic chronic trauma. A mom that's expecting who's in a domestic violence situation where she's routinely physically, emotionally abused in a constant state of fear. There's those stress hormones flooding her system. Those are the kind of things we're talking about in utero. When Hurricane Katrina came, I was a social worker doing frontline work at that point. Good for you. That was one of those tragedies that went across the board. There were rich families, poor families, but affected a wide swath of population. But there was a lot of cool research that came out of that. And one of the things was that children who had loving, nurturing families, who had socioeconomic resources, they were pretty resilient. They were able to bounce back. Their families had insurance where they could rebuild and make a new life for themselves. And down the road, they might say, yeah, that was kind of an upsetting event, but really no longer term consequences. But for the kids or the families that were living right on the edge, who had poverty, didn't have a place to go when there was a call for evacuation, didn't have resources, ended up on a Greyhound bus in another city where they knew no one. We had kids in the child protective system that had no medical records, no legal records. Those kids and families, much different picture, right? Those kids down the road had a much bigger impact. They didn't have all the resources that they needed emotionally, physically, financially to cope. No mom guilt or parent guilt about one time you forgot your kid's snack and they went hungry. They're not going to be permanently damaged by that. We're talking about systemic chronic trauma where your body just doesn't have a chance to really heal the right way. And it's so generational. Grandma may have experienced poverty and trauma, and then she passes that down, and it's passed down again, and it's a cycle that's hard to break. It can be broken, but it's hard. It is hard, and some of this have a genetic component that might stack the deck and make things even a little more challenging for us. Again, nothing that's not overcomable, but understanding those challenges. I will also say this, I know some amazing kids that have gone through horrific stuff that I often think if I went through those similar experiences, would I be that resilient? Absolutely no. (laughs) I'm too much of a wimp. They're terrific kids that have overcome and gone on to have great families and do well in life. After I got my master's degree in counseling, I worked with foster kids for about two and a half years in my internship, and they were just so amazing. I mean, it was sad what they had been through. Typically, attachment trauma with the parent drug use and things like that, and they want to get custody of their kid again. But the kids themselves, they were just moving to work with. And that's why we chose to adopt that way, because I believe that they can heal. They just need that support and that community and the right people to help them. 
absolutely. Yeah. It's known that relationships are one of the defining factors. We've known that for some time. Yeah. It's not just economics. It's not just health. It really is that loving, connected relationship makes all the difference in the world. That's why some kids that have experienced extreme poverty do just fine because they have a loving caregiver and a loving tribe of people around them that love and support them and they do just fine. It's all those other factors combined that make it hard. One of the things that you mentioned to me is that 60% of the brain is developed before the age of three. Yeah, and research changes all the time. I'm a total dork because I Googled and it's actually like 80%. 80% by the time we're three years old? Oh my goodness. Our connections are being made before we're even born. By three, 80% is there. Now connections can always be made. Because of neuroplasticity, the neural networks in the brain change through growth and reorganization. And I think of the brain kind of like silly putty and we keep growing. We're not stagnant. But what you're saying is everything is pretty much in place by age three. Exactly. We hope. The infant cries, mom, dad, or caregiver comes and gets them, nurtures them. That connection is made. And over time, different connections are made. The basis of relationships is already being created. This is how relationships work. They're loving and kind. That connection's made. So for our kiddos who have had trauma and don't have that, they cry. No one comes. Or even worse, they get harmed when they cry. Or you don't know what's going to happen. It's unpredictable. Other connections get made. People are not always safe. You never know what you're going to get. That's a whole different connection. It makes a lot more sense when you have a kid who's had a lot of trauma Mm -hmm. not respond the way we kind of expect kids to. I think about Harlow's rhesus monkeys. Uh, There was this study done in the 1950s and 1960s with psychologist Harry Harlow, and he took infant monkeys away from their mothers and raised them in isolation. And it's kind of sad to read about the study where the monkeys were given to surrogate mothers. One was made of wire and the other was soft terry cloth. And as you can imagine, the infant chose to spend most of his time with the terry cloth mother. And really, the study shows the importance of touch in the parent-child attachment relationship. I studied somatic counseling psychology that emphasizes the importance of touch and You know, in isolation, we don't grow naturally. The basis of the study, the end result, which is heartbreaking, is that monkeys would literally starve themselves to be with the fake, soft, fuzzy mama versus being with the metal one who would give nourishment. They would actually choose the fuzzy mom at the expense of nutrition. Now we're looking at children who are left without being touched. Thankfully, we've come a long way on that. You know, there was a time and place where there were orphanages where kids were laid and they had bottles wired to the crib. They just didn't have the manpower. Yeah, they didn't have the capacity. We saw children be malnourished even more than that when they were with loving families and given all their basic needs. Again, those wiring connections weren't there and they didn't know how to deal with relationships because when they cried, no one came. Heartbreaking, but we've come a long way. That's the good news. We're all a little better educated about infant care and orphanages even abroad have come a long way. I'm not an expert in international adoption. My work has always been domestically. And so hopefully that kind of situation is becoming a lot more rare. I met you when you were working for Lutheran Social Services of the South. That's a mouthful. 
I did. Yeah. I actually started out as a case manager. I did case management and then over time swung back over to the more clinical. I did mental health services for kids, primarily in foster care, but also adoption and did some disaster counseling. It all falls under that trauma lens. Primarily domestic foster care and domestic adoption has been my wheelhouse. I'm curious, what has it been like with parents who come to you? Like, we don't know how we want to go through the adoption process. Should we go through foster care or not? And what are some insights that you have about that? It's so tricky because I know that must be a heartbreaking journey to want to have a family. Private domestic adoption is very expensive. Especially if the couple has already been through the expensive infertility treatment, it was partly a financial reason that we chose to adopt through foster care. Yeah, and we have to have those factors. That's yes. just a piece of it. That's Absolutely. It is reality. Parenting's a scary journey. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there as someone with a child myself. And whether you create your family biologically or through adoption or through foster care, there's so much unpredictableness in that. We have families seeking services and their biological kids. You can't say, well, if I do this route, I'm guaranteed a perfectly healthy child that will never need mental health services. Even if it's your biological child, as we know, you could have two children and they're very different. And mental illness is one of those things that can come up at any point. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of the kids I work with personally, they're coming from situations where we can understand there's some circumstances around their mental illness. Don't we all know families who have two or three children and they're all being raised by the same family, same genetics, same environment. Two kids do great and one really struggles. I mean, we just don't have all the answers. That was one thing I used to warn families who would say things like, I want to adopt, but I just want an infant under the age of five. That was kind of the magic number. Yes. Like somehow that was some guarantee that up to five, it didn't matter what had occurred. Everything was going to be okay. Hopefully that's true. But we know that there are no guarantees. And honestly, there's no guarantees with a private adoption with a, a mom and you literally take the child at birth. That's the trickiest part about adoption is people want to have control. And don't we all? I know when I was pregnant, I ate healthier than I've ever eaten in my life because you want to feel like you have some control over things. And there are some things we have some control over, but there's some things we just don't. And my biggest takeaway from working with adoptive families is regardless of the age, the sex, how many kids, there's just not a guarantee. And there's not a guarantee with our own children that we birth biologically. The work that you're currently doing is as a director at Spirit Reigns, and you all work with children and teens to help them heal from traumatic experiences that they've had. Yeah, our ages used to be 5 to 22, and now we're even doing some adult services. That's amazing. I want to come out and visit. You need to come out. And most of the kids we see have already tried traditional counseling, have tried more traditional methods. We're out in the middle of nowhere in Liberty Hill. So it's quite a drive and it's weekly. And most of the kids are treatment resistant. They've tried the therapist in a traditional office. And for whatever reason, that's just not working for them. Most of our kids have chronic trauma. They haven't just had the hurricane one time. They've had a lifetime of hurricanes. Yeah, horses are fabulous. Most people don't know our prey animals, even though they're so big. They tend to react a lot like a child does. What are horses prey to? 
I guess mountain lions. Oh, they could take down a horse. Yeah. That's their evolutionary glitch. So horses still think there's mountain there's lions coming, <laughs> even though they're in Liberty Hill. And I think we're pretty safe from mountain lions. But in their brains, they're still wired to be sensitive to that. It's so impactful for kids on all kind of levels. Developing a relationship with a horse feels much safer to a lot of our kids than adults because people might not have always been safe. And then they learn how to work with them. Not only are they building that relationship, but they're feeling some control Mm -hmm. over their lives. And a lot of these kids have had very little control over their lives. It's so powerful to have this giant horse following behind you. Spirit Reigns believes that in these challenging times, offering a supportive space and the opportunity for connection is the most meaningful way that they can serve the surrounding Austin community. Their new Equine Connections program is offering one hour in-person ranch experience with their equine professionals and horses. It's free, although donations are welcome. This experience promotes emotional stability for teens and caregivers struggling with the widespread isolation caused by COVID. Participants will enjoy a sense of connection with nature, the people around them, and themselves by engaging in mindful interactions with their horses. These warm conversations with equine professionals and a spirit of play and curiosity at the ranch can make all the difference. To learn more, go to spiritreigns.org. Under services, click on Equine Connections. Welcome to the bonus segment of my podcast, Your Truth Revealed. Here, I want to spotlight specific points for my interview with Carrie Cooper. Let's start with the word trauma. Trauma is the response to a deeply distressing or disturbing event that overwhelms our ability to cope. This wounding causes feelings of helplessness, diminishing our sense of self, and our ability to feel the full range of emotions and experiences. Simply put, children who experience chronic trauma do not develop well. We can compare the brain scan of a child without trauma versus a child with trauma, and their brains look different. There are biological reasons why their behavior is different from a child who hasn't experienced trauma. We now know that even a baby can experience wounding in utero if the mother is distressed. Families can pass on this damage, which is called transgenerational trauma. The idea is that someone can pass the symptoms and behaviors of trauma survival onto their children. In adulthood, they may even further pass these along the family line. With my clients, for example, I've seen how sexual abuse can continue to be inflicted generation after generation unless someone breaks the cycle of abuse. If a child's needs aren't met in a relationship, an adult's behavior is unpredictable and unsafe, any connection may bring up fear. Children who were adopted from orphanages where they didn't receive much touch had a very hard time accepting it from their adoptive parents. These children, in particular, need support and compassion to heal. The good news is that these children are also resilient, and neither you as a parent or the child have to deal with this alone. There are counselors in our community that are specifically trained to help our troubled children and teens go on to live happy lives. Loving and connected relationships can make all the difference. And remember, no two children are the same. Mental health can affect anyone, and there are no guarantees given any genetics. 
Parenting can be a scary journey, whether it's your biological or adopted child. Carrie and I discussed how 80% of the brain is developed before the age of three, and that neural connections are made even before we're born. Fortunately, our brains are neuroplastic, meaning the neural networks change through growth and reorganization. We can have a positive impact on our brains through our intention to do so. Programs like Spirit Reigns that include equine therapy are especially effective in working with children, teens, and adults with trauma. The horse takes on the role of providing biofeedback. Biofeedback is a technique that involves visual and auditory feedback to help you achieve relaxation like slowing down your heart rate. This technique is something Dr. Ann Taylor and I discussed back in episode 22. For example, if a child feels anxious, the horse knows and will respond in a certain way. Then the child can consciously focus on calming down. There are five lessons a horse can teach us. They can help us identify and cope with feelings. They can teach communication and interpersonal skills. And they can help us set boundaries, overcome fears, and develop trust. All of these skills are essential in healing from trauma and forming healthy, happy relationships with others. If you want to find a program in your area, you can Google equine therapy along with your city's name. Make sure to check out the show notes. There are great resources there. In episode 26, Carrie talks about the difficulties our teenagers face and how to help. Being a teenager, it is a difficult time. I think a lot of us went through a rebellious stage, but it seems like it's amplified now. Statistically, we're seeing increased anxiety and depression. And honestly, as parents, we have to be careful. Our gut instinct is to say, don't stress about it. But we really have to own that for that kid. That is pain. Pain is pain. Until next time, please subscribe and rate the show. Also, tune into season one for more on unleashing your physical and mental health potential. I'm Erica Marcoux. Thank you for listening.